For every story told, there's always a story before the story. And the story before the story, unless we're starting in Genesis, the story before the story that we hear on Christmas Day is this passage that we've heard from the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah begins his story the same way that almost all spiritual masters do, pointing to that arrival place that we humans find when we seek spiritual depth or goodness. It's not a destination necessarily, but it's a place in here where we find connection and contentment with who we are. It is described by the spiritual masters of being either awake or enlightened. And that's where Isaiah begins this story before the Christmas story. He says, a people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And then he goes on to reference this incredibly obscure, somewhat weird, very comical and short episode that we find at the very front of the Hebrew scriptures in Judges 6, 7, and 8. It's the story of this character that we know as Gideon. And Gideon is a somewhat awkward, comical character, at least in the beginning. Prophecy comes to Israel, who has been completely conquered by the Midianites and the Amalekites. They're utterly dominated. They've been pushed out of the fertile valleys into the mountains where they're living in caves. Each time Israel comes down into the valley trying to plant crops in order to sustain their constituency, the Midianites and the Amalekites bring in all the herds of their livestock and their sheep and their camels to both trample and consume the crops that Israel has planted. And we find Gideon, when the angel comes to Gideon, we find Gideon uh, threshing wheat under disguise in the cover of the wine press, trying to make some bread in order to feed his family. The prophecy starts with a story before the story. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of bondage, out of the land of Egypt, and into the land of promise. And after the prophet stops speaking, an angel of the Lord appears to this awkward character, Gideon. And that angel says to Gideon, Gideon, get up. The Lord has chosen you. You are the one who will lead Israel out of captivity and back into the land that the Lord promised. Gideon, being the awkward character that he is, responds in kind of a humorous way. He reminds the angel first, don't you know that I am a member 
of the tribe of Manasseh. And what we need to know is out of the 12 tribes of Israel, Manasseh is the weakest tribe. Gideon goes on to explain to the angel, it's not just that I'm from the tribe of Manasseh. He says, of all the men in the tribe of Manasseh, I am the least of these. Of all the people you, Mr. Mrs. Angel, could have picked, I am the worst one for the job. That's right. It deserves a curious giggle, right? What's God up to calling a man like Gideon? The angel says, no, Gideon, let me assure you, you are the one. And I want you to destroy this altar of Baal, and I want you to pull down this totem of fertility and chop it up and put the wood on the altar and put your father's second best bull on there and burn it up in the night as an offering to God, which in a moment of uncharacteristic boldness, Gideon does. When Israel awakens in the morning, they are freaked out. They are like, we are in trouble here, people. Who did this? And people are like, it's Gideon. It's the least of these. The angel comes back to Gideon, expecting that emboldened by his act overnight, that he would take up arms and liberate Israel. But Gideon's response is like, well, hold on a minute. Maybe, maybe just one more test to make sure that God really knows that it's little old me, Gideon. The angel says, okay, we'll indulge you, Gideon. So Gideon says, I'm going to take this sheepskin, this lambskin, and I'm going to put it on the threshing floor. And then I'm going to go to bed, go to sleep, and when we wake up in the morning, if the morning dew covers the threshing floor, and the lambskin, but when I lift the lambskin, the ground is dry, then I will know I am the one that the Lord has called. The angel says, okay, Gideon, whatever. Gideon goes to bed. He wakes up the next morning. He finds the morning dew across the threshing floor. He puts his hand on the sheepskin and finds that it's wet with the morning dew. He pulls it back to reveal dry ground underneath. The angel looks at Gideon and says, Gideon, this is your moment. Gideon says, Maybe one more test. The angel's like, come on, Gideon. Like, we don't have all day here. We have to liberate Israel. He's like, indulge me. One more test. I'm going to put the lambskin on the ground again. And if in the morning I awaken and the dew of the morning covers the threshing floor and covers the ground underneath the lambskin, but the lambskin itself is dry. 
then I will know. The Lord indeed has not made a mistake, but has in fact called me Gideon. The response of the angel is like, okay, okay, okay. We'll indulge you, Gideon. He goes to sleep. He wakes up the next morning. And in fact, it's true, right? The ground is covered with dew. He pulls back the lambskin. That ground is wet, but the skin itself is dry. Emboldened by these two tests, Gideon amasses the largest army in the history of Israel, gathering them from all 12 tribes. He brings them together, and the angel of the Lord says, well, Gideon, here's the deal. The army, it's a little too big. I'm afraid that if you send out this big army to defeat the Midianites and the Amalekites, then in fact, you, Israel, would think that it is your doing rather than God's deliverance from your enemies. So Gideon, I need you to send some of these guys home. Gideon responds, how will I do that? And the angel says, okay, okay, here's the deal. Take them down to the river to get a drink of water. When you take them down to the river, you will see two kinds of men. Some men will place their faces in the water and drink like a dog drinks from a river. And other men, strong warriors, will bend down on a knee, spear in hand, eyes toward the horizon, watching for the enemy, and cup their hand with water and drink. And here's the deal, Gideon. All those strong warriors who take a knee, spear in hand, eyes toward the horizon, those are the ones you send home. I'm going to use the guys who drink like dogs from the river. There were 300 of those men. Gideon takes them. Of course, they liberate Israel in a, in a wonderful and grand way. And Gideon has his like 90 seconds of fame. It's not long before Israel falls into their old ways and turns their back on God again. That's the story before the story. God sending an angel to the least likely leader and liberator of Israel. And then we find ourselves at the Christmas story. We have Joseph, a carpenter, born on the wrong side of David's family tree. Mary, a young woman who becomes mysteriously, mystically, spiritually pregnant, a young woman, they are displaced. They are out of a place of power. They can't even get a hotel room in order to spend the night and birth this baby. 
Jesus is born amongst farm animals. He is clothed not in the purple and gold of royalty, but clothed in strips of rags and laid on hay in a manger amongst visiting dignitaries, royalty who come from afar, and the least likely constituency of people to witness the birth of a king, shepherds. The angels confirm that in fact, this baby, this vulnerable, vulnerable baby is in fact the Lord's chosen. That story, that Christmas story that we remember tonight is the story before your story. There are angels all amongst us, and we are God's chosen vessels for the delivery of God's care and God's nurture and God's love and God's power in this world, you say to yourself, how can that be? Not little old me, not little old you. Yes, little old y'all. Us, a church from a tiny little cow town in western Wyoming, put here on earth amongst the angels to deliver love to a town and then to a valley and then to a state and then to a country and then to a world. God is calling you and God is calling me to incarnate this Christmas love in the world. Yes, little old you. Yes, little old me. Yes, little old us. Merry Christmas. Amen.